and, uh, and talking to them. Now, some of you missed that because you weren't here the first session, but um, as I think about it, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If you are men and women who walk with God, there are a lot of things that fall into place without needing a lot more. There are a lot of things that fall into place without needing a lot more. Just finish up a few thoughts in the message last night. Awareness of a need for a Savior. When do we bring our children to the Lord? What age? Uh, I want to make one more point that I think is important. But I'm going to look at, we have the jailer in his household, and they were baptized. And I look at that sometimes, and it almost seems like the family was baptized. We believe in believer's baptism, right? We don't baptize the babies. We believe in believer's baptism. But there's also an element that my father stressed over the years. We are a Christian family. And the children growing up in my home are not pagans until they give the life to Jesus. We are a Christian family. And... Uh, there's something here about the jailer and his household were baptized. They did this thing as a family. And I think there could be some problems with that. But that was a New Testament experience. That was a New Testament experience. We're a Christian family. Um, thinking about children coming to the Lord in different ways. I, when we worshipped in New York, I, I, over the years I started to pick up. There was one revival service where children came to the Lord. And it was a thunderstorm. And and somebody was just preaching with all they had. And it was a moment that really grabbed the emotions. And I'm trying to figure out if those conversions were genuine or not. And I think one of the keys is when when our children come to the Lord, we need to begin prompting them and letting them know this is the first step. Tell your children when they come to Jesus, okay, there's going to be more steps. This is not like a once and done thing. Begin to prepare their hearts. Let them know that you're going to be walking with God now and God's going to be calling you at fresh times in the future. And there's going to be deeper steps and commitments. We probably won't baptize you at six, but as God, as God continues to move in your heart at some point as you get older, you're going to be looking at joining the body of Christ, becoming accountable. Um, you're going to be moving beyond your childhood and we want you, we as parents are going to walk with you in walking with God so that the day comes when you're strong enough to walk with God on your own. And uh, there's going to be more decision points. There's going to be more times where you're going to have to break your heart and humble yourself before God and humble yourself before your brother. And there's, 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 that's not going to be a once and done thing. This is going to be a journey. If you remember the line we drew last night, walking with Jesus Christ, it's a trail that is going to be a lifetime. Walking with the Spirit of God. Go. This, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this. Um, go, teach, baptize. And the next verse says something again, teach. It's progression. We keep, we teach, there's baptism, that's good, but we move on now, we keep teaching. I don't understand what all is involved with our children coming to the Lord. There have been some times in our home where I felt absolutely like a failure. I felt I was struggling. I could see my faults as a father. I felt like I I, I don't I know I, I feel like I have tried as a father, but I feel like a failure as a father. Things are just more than once that night. A child walked into our bedroom and said, Dad, I want to give my heart to the Lord. It must have been spiritual warfare. It must have been something happening there that I'm not sure what was going on. 
The one child came in and talked to my wife, and I was so weighed that I didn't even get up and go. I waited till the morning, and I went and sat down with my child. But there was spiritual warfare happening there. Parents, you are in a battle for the souls of your children. The birth of a soul. I don't understand all the dynamics, but there's spiritual warfare involved. How do you keep your children's hearts to the teenage years? My little girl the other day was drawing... And she drew a picture, and she brought it to us, and she said, this is a Christian machine. She said, you put the people in up here, and they come out here, and all the paint, and the fancies, and and all this stuff comes off as they grew through there, and the women come out modest with head covered. If I could find a Christian machine, I'd set it up at major intersections and run everybody through it. There's one problem with this Christian machine. It got the outward appearance as things went through there. It came out the other end, but I don't think it got the heart. It's a little more difficult than that. There's a little more involved in that. The heart. Guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of the issues of life. Guard thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. For those of you who have been on the trail for a while, you are aware that your heart can sneak off on you and you hardly even know it. And that's why we have brethren and sisters. Your heart can sneak off on you. And one day you wake up and say, what happened? Here are red letter comments from the Word of God. What are red letter comments? They're Jesus' very words. Okay, you go to the concordance and get the red letter comments. Here's what Jesus said about the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her in his heart. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. Do you know that you can instruct your you can instruct your heart by listening to your mouth? Listen to the tone, listen to the words, and you discover things about your heart. Take the time to listen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Spend time just listening to yourself. Matthew 15:18 These people honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me I would rather see a family making mistakes and knowing that their heart is headed the right direction than to see a family who seems to be doing it right But I can sense that their heart is going the other way. Jesus on their license plate, the devil on their radio. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, if your heart is going the right direction, a lot of things can be made up for. There's some, I was just sitting here, there's some things I believe. 
I try to teach my family to get to church because I want them to know. I, want, I try to teach them to get there on time because I want them to know that church is important. Um, I try to teach them to be there Wednesday nights. When we lived in New York, there was many nights. I had to come down from Pen, to Pennsylvania every couple weeks. And there was many a Wednesday night where I would try to drive all night because I was trying to teach the brothers and sisters to be there on Wednesday night. But I only had two days to do what I needed to do as far as business in Pennsylvania. So I would take off Wednesday night and drive all night. Just, I wanted them to know that you'd be there at church. I don't know if it's stuck or not. But I was trying to teach that by example. Um, now, this morning, the cow water froze, and I'm here seeking to teach you about child raising, and I'm wondering if my children are going to get here in time, and, uh, and to top it off, we're communicating with them, I get here, and I'm sitting <clears throat> in the seat there, and I, I pull out my cell phone, like, what are you doing in my pocket? I don't like cell phones in church, in case you're wondering, I I don't like cell phones in church. Now, relax, okay, if you have a cell phone here, I guess. But I just, I don't like things ringing and going off because we tend to forget it. I'm sitting there going, please, I hope nobody calls me. Who would call me Sunday morning? So I got up and went out and got rid of that thing while we were having children's class here. But, you know, a lot of, you can make a lot of mistakes raising your children if your heart is going the right direction. Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name and in thy name have cast out demons? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. What's another word for iniquity? You worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. If the Son of God knows you, you can make a fair amount of mistakes and you are still doing well. You may not be casting demons out. Malachi wraps up the Old Testament. Actually, let's go back to one scripture yet that I forgot. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. I see a lot of men here. I don't know how many instructors there are. How many fathers do we have? It's easy to have children. It's not so easy to raise them. It takes a father's heart. The Old Testament wraps up like this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. As far as I know, this scripture still stands. I don't think it changed. He shall turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the heart of the the father's heart turns first. And the child's heart turns second. There are a few children... Who are trying to turn their hearts towards mom and dad. And they're trying to serve Jesus. But mom and dad's hearts aren't turning towards them. That's a difficult trial for a child to overcome. They can overcome it by the grace of God. And there are fathers sitting here. Who do not know what it meant to have a father. But their hearts are turned towards their children. God bless you, brother, sister.
you're not going to get everything done. Choose the important things. Did any of you ever see the illustration where you take a little fish bowl and you put in five big stones, then you put in about 50 little stones and they all fall around it? And reverse of that, you put all the little stones in. Then you put the five big ones in. They don't fit. They sit on top. They don't go down below the level of the fishbowl. Choose a few priorities that you want to happen in your home. Put them in first. Make them priority. And then the rest of life will fall in and fit around. A lot more things will fit in. But choose the few things that are important to you. Men, if you're a leader in your home, what are, your, what are the few things you value? Choose them. Make sure it's God's choice also. Make sure it's in line and what God would have you. Make sure you walk with God in that choice. Make sure you get your direction from God in that choice. <clears throat> in that list, include turning your heart towards your children. In that list. Make sure that's somewhere right in there pretty close. Brokenness in a child's relationship with God will lead to a brokenness in a child's relationship with their parents. We had that happen in our home. We had a child for a while who we began to notice the light was going out of her eyes. And to top it off, we have a large family and we discovered that her next sibling down, the light was going out of her eyes too. Because the one sibling had the other sibling's heart. Now, for those of you who enjoy the Johnny Rule horse training, he dealt with, if you remember, for those of you who read his book, he dealt with a horse one day in his training there, he dealt with a horse that, <clears throat> that you couldn't pick its feet up to clean its feet, and that's pretty necessary, I guess, if you have horses that they have good feet. And uh, he was there with all the children and parents gathered around, and they say, Jewel, she just won't pick her feet up. And, uh, <clears throat> or we can't pick her feet up. His question was, well, can she? Well, yes. So he walked over to Jewel and slid his hand down along her front foot. She wouldn't pick it up. He would say hoof and she wouldn't. So he'd just take his fingernail and bite like a fly. And she would move her foot, pick it up to get the fly off. And, uh, he did that a number of times, and after a few minutes, he could just say hoof, and she would pick her front foot up. And then he would go to her back foot, and he started on that, and he said hoof, and she gave him her foot by kicking as hard as she could. Now, I have a question, children. Was this horse giving her foot to Johnny in rebellion or in obedience? She gave Johnny her foot. I mean, it flew. So I have a question. What do you children want to answer that? Was, was Jewel being rebellious or obedient? She gave him her foot. And any of you children, like somebody answer that. Was Jewel being rebellious when she kicked at Johnny? Johnny said hoof. And she kicked at him. Yes. She was being rebellious. That's right. She was not giving it willingly. Okay. So Johnny. <clears throat> took some kind of strap and hooked around Jules foot at the bottom. And took a rope up over Jules back the way I understand it and hooked it to Jules halter on the front. Took all the slack out so things were lined up about right. And then he said to Jewel, I'd like your hoof. And Jewel goes, wham! And nearly knocked herself clean over. 
And so Johnny said, Hoff. And she whams again. But by about the third or fourth time of asking for her hoof, she's realizing she's starting to back off and she's kicking a little lighter. In a few more minutes, he says, hoof, and she gives it to him. I don't know how much time went by, but she gives it to him willingly. And then he did it a number more times just to make sure that she would give him it willingly. Now back to, I like that story. Great ending. Horses trained. Brother, I'm, I apologize that I don't give easy answers for child training. <laughs> I, I'm going to let some of you do that. Um, my wife and I knew we had a need. I started thinking back over the years of raising our children. Did I get the child's heart? I think I probably could have disciplined better. It was a child that I, I never had any like it, who was thoroughly insulted every time I disciplined them. I had never, we didn't have any children like that, but just thoroughly insulted, just like it was an extreme insult that I would need discipline. And I thought, well, maybe I didn't discipline enough. I, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with this. Thinking about my failings as a father. What do you do? My wife and I decided to get on our knees and pray. And pray. And we did. It wasn't very long. I don't know, days or weeks or whatever. She comes to mother and tells her, Starts to open up and confess things in her life that were between her and God. And when broken relationships happen between us and God, it breaks the relationship with mom and dad also. And I cannot tell you the blessing that came back into her home with that confession. And she brought her younger sibling's heart back also. Some days we just need to get on our knees and pray. Some days we just need to pray. <clears throat> we ask our children preparing for this message. Well, children, what are the things? Is there anything that pulled your hearts towards home? Well, they had fun with this one. Yeah, if you want to win our hearts... Take me hunting, take me shopping, take me uh, out for coffee. And they were having fun with this list. <clears throat> it seems kind of like peripheral things, doesn't it? But I heard one thing coming through. Give me your time. Give me your time. Give me your heart, mom and dad. I'd like your heart. Jesus talked, told a story one time. He said, what shall I liken this generation to? I liken it to children in the marketplace crying out to one another and saying, you know, we sang a dirge and you did not dance. And we did a funeral song and you didn't mourn. John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking. You say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. You say a drunkard, a wine-bibber. What's the lesson in that story? Nothing moved that generation's heart. We can sing, we can weep, but their hearts were unmoved. Nothing moved that generation's hearts.
How do we keep our teenage children's hearts? One thing my wife does is she talks. I hear her out in the kitchen. She's out there now with the girls working. And there used to be in a day in our home when it was little children. But when you go out to our kitchen now, all the heads are about the same level. And my wife is out there just talking to the children, instructing, giving wisdom, communicating, building bridges with their hearts, talking to them. In fact, this thing, you know, if you want to get up in the morning, you have to go to bed at night. That's good policy. More than once I've laid in bed at night. And my wife is downstairs talking to the older children. I'm thinking, please shut this house down. Let's let's go to sleep now. You can't get awake in the morning when you talk. She's building bridges with our hearts. Let her talk. I know we, I would rather people be tired in the morning. I'd rather get up late tomorrow morning. And have those bridges built. Then get up on time and not have the bridges built between those hearts. Um, If I could give you young men any advice about getting married. A godly woman will help fill in a lot of your failures. Guess what? When there is sin to be confessed in our home, where do the children tend to go first? Guess, you know, you know, where the bridges are being built, that's where they first feel comfortable to come talk about their sin. I want to remind you parents again, if your children are coming to you and confessing sin, you better bless them. That is, that is probably the greatest win that you can have with their hearts. If they feel comfortable and come to you and talk about their sins, that's probably the greatest win that you can get. They're also quicker to tell her their dreams. Now, I stay abreast in all this. Do you know how? My wife talks to me. And... Things are happening and she's got concerns. My wife can come up with more concerns than you can, you can come up with in a hundred years. I mean, they're just, some days it seems overwhelming. But I tell you what, it has saved me a lot of grief by listening to those concerns. It's been a huge blessing. A few of them have been over the edge and we move on beyond them. But there is a lot of wisdom Men, listen to your wives. They're going to be the first one to see the light going out, especially if you're busy. I value deeply the contribution that my virtuous wife makes to the peace that flows like a river most days in our home. Pray for your children. Pray that they will grow like Jesus. Here's my one prayer. I noticed in reading through the Bible that Jesus and John the Baptist both increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. And so that has been my prayer for my children over the years. We go and we, you tend to have this routine prayer you pray when you tuck them in. Well, for the little ones, it's, Daddy, did you pray they don't have bad dreams? Um, they often feel security in knowing that Dad prayed that they don't have bad dreams. But, but the other one is, I pray that my children will grow like Jesus and John the Baptist grew. Like in favor with God and man, in, in wisdom and in stature. <clears throat> Prayer. Our first child got married a little over a year ago. And she comes to me the night before the wedding. Our family is now going to be divided out into a couple different homes. And she says this, Daddy, will you pray with me? 
one more time before I go. That was one of the greatest honors of my life. To put my hand on her head and pray with her one more time before she went. I still pray for her, okay? But the things of relationships are a little different now. That was one of the greatest honors of my life. Tying strings. My father never preached great child-raising sermons over the pulpit. But his children worship with him. As I think back in my childhood, there are two things that stand out in my mind that my father did that I feel tied strings. Saturday afternoons, we had to do the chores in the morning. But on Saturday afternoon, dad said that that time was ours. For a little while. And so we'd have dad out playing soccer. We'd be taking hikes up in the mountain. Um, later on, we went to more like a family night. Thursday nights. We shut the phone off. And uh, we spent time just in the evening together as a family. And I know other families do that. One family calls it their red dot night. They put a dot on the calendar. And when that night rolls around, everything else goes. It's family night. I know another young family just told me recently, I don't know where this is, all these ideas have come from, but another young family I met, Beach Yami's brother out, I think in Ohio or something, and they started doing that with their family. Um, now, you don't have to do it just like that. But are there times happening, are there family times happening in your home? Um, there's sometimes when I, our, fam, our children are grown, are getting older, and it's harder to get everybody all together. There, so sometimes as a dad now, I just, okay, Sunday night, just drop all the activities. I need you home. I want you home. I want everybody together as a family. Now, my father did preach many sermons to me. Here's the problem I have with preaching. My father did not outrun in real life his sermons. I could probably do that quicker, but my father didn't. He did not outrun his sermons in what he lived. I'm a Christian because my father was a Christian. And I was a thorn to him sometimes. But the love that he gave me, I could one I remember just blowing up one day. He stood there and didn't say much. And I saw his eyes, something in his eyes, and he just stood there and looked at me. I was so convicted. I was, he didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. I remember two very vivid times when the Holy Spirit spoke to my, through my father. I don't even think he remembers them. I do, and I will till I die. I decided one day I wanted to buy a car, sports car. It wasn't converted. I had a lot of pull for some friends who were walking away from God. And it's hard when your friends aren't walking with God. And I told my dad I'd like to get a sports car. And I thought I'd better warn him. And uh, he didn't say much. A few days later, he comes back and he said, Son, he said, 
I went down to the car dealership, met with the car dealer, and looked at this IROC-Z that you were going to buy and decided that's not a car that we want in this home. You remember you were talking about parents going with their children. He drew a line. But he had my respect. He said, son, here's one of the things that get me the most. It was his demeanor. He wasn't alarmed. He wasn't upset. I wish my children could say more of that about me. He just said, son, I went and visited the car dealership. If you decided if you bring that into the home, you're going to have to leave home. He wasn't alarmed. He should have been. He just was walking with the Spirit of God. And, and I just marveled at how at peace he was. And something broke inside of me. Something broke. I did not become a Christian right then. But something broke. Time went by, and one night we were in the barn, and I was throwing hay bales down to Dad. He was in the mile, and we had these stacker wagons, so we'd set the bales in the barn floor, and then we'd transfer them from there into the hay mile, and I was throwing bales into the floor, and and, uh, Dad gave me some instructions to throw them a little different, and I just got mad. And Dad said, son, just keep in mind you're not indispensable. (laughs) and I said that's it I'm leaving home I went and packed my suitcase I went upstairs and my brother met me he said before you leave Mel can we go take a walk up in the mountain we got up there we started down that trail it was dark My brother knew I was wrestling with my soul. And he walked away. And I stood there in that mountaintop, looked out over the valley, could see the city of Chambersburg, the lights. I stood there and looked at the trail. It went three ways. But it seemed like God was speaking to me, Mel, every time you turn away from me, your life just gets more difficult. It gets harder. It's not easy to kick against the pricks. And I stood there and made a decision. Tonight is the night. I'm not going down any more trails. I'm not picking these three in front of me. I'm going back the trail that I've been walking away from. I knelt down there on that mountainside, bowed my head and my heart, and I wept like I had not wept in years. I cried so hard. I just poured out all my sins, worshiped God on that mountain. My brother had left. It took me an hour or so to walk home. Went home and didn't want to disturb my family, so I just laid in the couch and slept. And mom comes down in the morning. I knew the question in our heart. Did God win last night? Yes, mom. And she cried. You want your children to know that the God you serve is real. Your children want to know that you have something. They want to see it. They will serve the God that they perceive to be the greatest.
It's only 11. Are you expecting me to preach to 12? or I, Did we go an hour here or did we? I don't know. I have... Okay. Busy parents. Dad, it's time to stop digging and start living. My oldest son was a child. We were outside in the snowdrift one day, digging trails. And after a while, he said, Dad, it's time to stop digging and start living. That statement has stuck with me like a burr in my back. I haven't always listened to it, but it has convicted me every time I have recalled it. Well, I thought, uh, we were just digging trails, son. What do you mean? Well, it's time to stop digging trails now and start living. Um, like, I guess we set up the fort now or whatever. We, we, we do, we, okay, we got it. We dug. Now, okay, let's go do something. It's time to stop digging and start living. <clears throat> Sympathy. Sympathy comes from two Greek words, son with, which means son with, which means with, and pathos, which means feeling. So, with feeling, sympathy. With feeling. Uh, Sympathy goes right down, I suppose you could use another word for it, love or care, concern. Sympathy goes right down and stands shoulder to shoulder with the tried and tempted one, saying, This is our trial. Let us face it together. I have been through the fire. I have experienced suffering. For I have suffered before you, and I now suffer with you. Sympathy is also feeling with the joys and hopes and ambitions and purposes in life as well as in trials and troubles. It is a Christ-like attribute which parents aiming to represent to the child the true pattern, capital P, pattern, should strive to possess. In other words, Jesus' pattern. Ken Pierpont tells a story. His father was a busy man, preacher, trying to hold down a night job. Ken's a little boy. Dad's going to come home after he's in bed sleeping. So the agreement between mom and him is that when dad comes home, dad's going to come over and kiss me. Next morning, Ken wakes up and uh, dad hadn't come to his room. Now, in his mind, he was thinking dad was going to wake me up. And dad was thinking... And he just did, he couldn't let it lie. He said, but you, but you didn't come. You didn't get me awake. You didn't. I, and uh, I'm not sure. He, he brought the subject up a couple times that night, and even they went to bed. And he came into the room. He wasn't going to sleep. But Dad, you didn't. His dad said, his dad was tired from trying to hold everything down, preaching, holding a side job at night. And his dad said, son, if if you don't go to bed, I'm going to have to spank you. And Kenny says, but dad. And so dad pulls his arm back. To spank Kenny, hits the lamp, the lamp hits the window, the window goes out, and it's not a summer night, it's a cold Michigan night, maybe you can picture last night, and the window's out, and dad's up, getting cardboard, taping the window shut, and and the next day dad is down in the yard picking up the glass and going to the hardware store. And putting a window in, and Kenny's still thinking, you could have saved an awful lot of work, Dad, if you just came in and gave me some attention. We all have a need in our heart 
and your children have that. Praise your children. I said that last night. I'm going to say it again. If you see things that you appreciate, get on it. Don't waste good opportunities. Children will respond to praise. Driving to church, I tell you, I can, I, I can, get, I can tell you what will happen because I know it in my family. We're driving and the little one starts singing. And I'll tell her, I appreciate you singing. What happens? Right away, the next one up will start singing. They, they want that. They're asking for affirmation. And if you affirm the things that are positive, it will just go to their heart like a stick there. My wife, here's where my wife comes in. I'll, I'll, I'll bless a child. And then she'll go, but are you getting, are you giving the same amount of affirmation to everybody? Did you notice that one over there? Did you notice her response when you blessed this one? And I'm thinking, well, I can't bless everybody. I, I, I mean, I appreciate her input. I appreciate her input because she keeps me sensitive to things that I'm not seeing that are happening. Let your family know they're the greatest family in the world. Now, you might have to be more creative with this, because I told you what I do. Sometimes we sit down at a family meal, and I just get these happy father feelings. I just say, you're just the greatest. I cannot believe that I'm allowed to sit here with the greatest family in the world and and get to eat meal with you. I just love you, God. Now, if you men go home and sit down and say that at the supper table tonight with your children, your children go, yeah, Dad, the preacher told you to do that. So when you try to when you hear something good and you try to copy it, your family right away is yeah we okay we heard you yeah all right so try to be a little more creative and sneak up on them in different directions they don't recognize it you know, use the principle but sneak around the other way I guess you, you children keep don't listen right now we're talking here as adults <laughs> older fathers I see some gray hair here and some little children with some of you older men. What did Solomon and Joash have in common? What did Solomon and Joash have in common? They started well. They didn't finish well. They started well. They didn't finish well for you older men. Mothers, I have seen homes nearly torn apart. The father seemed to have a vision, but mom didn't support it. And that home struggled. I've seen this more than once. 1 Corinthians 11 teaches that Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman. And then if I understand it correctly, she puts a covering on her head as a representation of her position. Um... I don't like to see coverings come off, but there are a few situations where it'd be better just to take them off and not fool everybody. Try to fool everybody. I sat down with one lady one time, and I have to give her this. Keeping up with her husband must have been a real trip. 
And my wife said that already, too. She said, it's been a little hard to keep up with you. Um, But when I looked at this woman and her unwillingness to walk with her husband, I just shared with her, you know, one day I was reading the Lancaster Farming, and I saw in there that there was a, they had a calf born that had two heads. And when I see a home that's not united, I think about that calf. It's got two heads. I tell you, it doesn't work well. When there's two heads calling the shots. Now, there is a lot happens in the home. Women are given a tremendous amount of responsibility but it's still under some direction. Um, I just explained to her, when I see how you fail to walk alongside your husband, it just reminds me of that calf with two heads. It does not work to have two heads in a home. So just a thought for you women. Now, I'm going to go back to the men now. There are a lot of ladies who just wish that there was some direction in the home. They wish they could find something where there was some kind of leadership. I mean, they might not always like it, but they wish that there was something. Little children... Jesus got a child one day and took him and set him in the midst of them and said, unless you adults become like this child, you're not, you can't enter. Did he say it that strong? You can't enter the kingdom of heaven? Did he word it that strong? I think so. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become like this child. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what poor means there? To be a beggar. To be a beggar. I don't quite understand that term. I would understand it better if I was so destitute that I needed to get on the sidewalk and sit there and have you brethren walk by me and I held up my hands to you. said, can you help me? I would understand it a little better. That is what Jesus is calling us to. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Mourn for their sins. Grieve over the brokenness in your heart, in your family's lives. Break your heart. Grieve. Blessed are they which do hunger, and blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Strength under control. You remember the story of smoke. Smoke was going to be a tremendous blessing if he could develop the spirit of meekness in his life. He was going to have potential, unbelievable potential. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Fathers, talk to your sons about moral purity and keep talking to them. I, I find Here's what I, I find myself struggling with. I'll talk to my children and I'll feel like things are okay. And then in the... Life. Time goes by, and two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and the combination of those weeks, wait a minute, this isn't quite, we need, what are my priorities? Okay, they're my children, where are they? So we need to get together and talk again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. 
Every home needs a peacemaker. There are some peacemakers around. I've driven vehicles before without shocks. I've driven skid loaders, and you get on rough ground, you just about jar your teeth out. And in, in the congregation of God, we need peacemakers among us because some of us are abrasive. And the give and take of brotherhood can be abrasive. But if there is relative peace in a community, I can assure you that sitting throughout this congregation are peacemakers. And they're absorbing shocks and not saying anything about it. They're absorbing They're shock absorbers. And those brothers and sisters, I believe the day will come when God will point them out to us. Say, see this brother? He didn't say much, but he was a shock absorber. Things got rough. He didn't get wound up. He didn't make things rough for other people. He didn't fight for his own rights. He didn't. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. If you ever catch one of your children being a peacemaker, you get to that child as quick as you can, and you bless them. That is a virtue that you want to encourage. Parents... One of the questions I've asked over the years, here was something, growing up, God wouldn't let me go. I I read the Bible. Actually, let me go back to my first story reading. After I gave my life to Christ, I just had this hunger for the Word of God. I got into it and I decided I'm going to start at page one. And I'm going to read all the way to the end and everything God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. I don't care if I die. I mean, I do care if I die, but if I have to die, I'm going to die. And um, I started in reading first command I found, be fruitful and multiply. And I'm a single fella, but I tucked that one away. I thought, you know what? I'm going to have children when we, if I get married. I'm going to have children. So we did. I, and I noticed it said, don't add, it said multiply. So I, used, I looked at the arithmetic there and it looked like it was multiplication. So we've had 12 children and uh, it's been great. It's been great. It's been a lot of work, but it's been great. So anyway, but as I went on through the scriptures, I found this scripture that says, Honor thy father and thy mother that it may go well with thee. Honor thy father and thy mother that it may go well with thee. And uh, before I got married, I went to my father and mother a time or so, and I said, I just want to double check with yous. Are yous comfortable that I have honored you? Do you feel like I've been a son? That has honored you because I don't want to leave the home without that blessing. And I tell you why I say this. I sometimes see things steering off the tracks and people, people can't get it, families can't get it back on the tracks. And I wonder, it's the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with thee. And so if there is things happening in your life that you can't seem to get it back in track, I would go back and first of all check that. I see people who are more spiritual than the generation that they left behind. And they impress their children so much that their children are more spiritual. They go somewhere else. And uh, I don't think God was kidding us when he said that it may go well with thee. And so I would say if things are steering off the track in your life, I would encourage you to make sure, even as an adult, that you have sought to honor your parents. Um, I know some of you are getting uncomfortable. 
the reason this is special to me is I, I, I decided that part of honoring my parents was worshiping with my father. When I get into these circles, I asked Leonard some years ago, we sat in a minister's meeting. I said, Leonard, tell me across this congregation of leaders in the church, how many of them worship with their fathers? Seventy men. He looked across the group and he said, two, three, maybe. Um... I'm not sure what all the ramifications are there. I understand. But I've seen so many situations. We had a group that left many years ago. They left the River Brethren to establish. And they had reasons to leave. They had reasons to leave. But they lost their children like flies. And I scratched my head and I thought, well, I thought it was because they wanted to start more Bible studies and they were more godly and they were going to do this thing right. I, I, I just want you to know that God is not full. And when the scripture says, honor thy father and thy mother that it may go well with thee, he's not kidding. And I wonder if some of the problems that we have aren't because we, we got off a track many years ago. And we can't get it back on because God said it isn't going to go well. Now, Jesus taught in this subject. He said, you follow man's rules and teachings. But when it comes to the thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother, you say it's Corban. Which means a gift. In other words, you go offer a gift. Instead of giving it to your parents, you offer as a gift to God. Wonderful. And you do many other things like that. But you don't honor the Word of God. That doesn't mean that God doesn't call God called Abraham... But Abraham had a specific call to move, to go. And some of you have specific calls. And some of you just went. I feel like I'm preaching to the parents more than the children here. But I want to say that if the parents walk with God in all seriousness, a lot of things will fall into place. And I'm not trying to produce... I'm trying to produce a love for the Word of God. And there's some things that are hard to work around. There are some church situations that are just so difficult. And we need to get our families out. But I tell you what, you better be very careful in your heart and spirit. You better have right attitudes. And you better go with a heart that is broken and humble. Or you will find yourself with a house full proud hearts quicker than you know what's happening and you'll wonder what's going wrong what is going wrong okay i'm going to not having i'm not going to have any notes left if i keep preaching here so we want something for the afternoon session yet and uh looking forward to that session 
I like my family here, so I talked to my son-in-law into bringing my daughter down here to, for the last service today. I like my family with me. I, don't, I, can, I know that I can't do that very often, to ask my son-in-laws to keep caught up with me. But he was so gracious, and he's going to come down here and bring my last daughter down, and all my children will be here this afternoon. And I'm excited about that, except for one. We left him back at the graveyard a year ago. Other than that, the rest of them will be here. Let's pray. Father, we are but mere men standing in your holy presence. And we bow our uncrowned heads. And we get on our knees before you. And we bow our hearts and we worship you. Your ways are ways of peace, and all your paths are pleasantness. And so often our pride stands in the road, and we suffer, and we suffer, and we suffer. If only we could just bow. God, we come into your presence, and we bow before you now. Lord, I don't know hardly what to pray. I just want to worship you. I love you. Lord, you've seen my heart over the years. You know me better than I know myself. And there are sometimes you've had to correct me in ways that really hurt. And I want to tell you today... I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for being a father who disciplined me. Thank you for being a father who loves me. Thank you for not giving up on me when I wake up and discover that I've missed the trail by a little ways. Father, help me to get back onto the trail. Help me to walk with humility. Oh God, I don't want... I don't want to stand between my children and you and have them say someday that his God was not enough. Father, I just want to get out of the road. Lord, I want to break my heart so that my children can see you and see your beauty and see your holiness And see your righteousness and not run from you, but step up and shake your hand. Oh, God, we pray that for our children. We pray for souls gathered here today. Lord, we need wisdom. We need discernment. And uh, just pray you would bless harmony here and the folks who've come today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.